0: Hi. Short Bus Debate Club. It's a bus rolling. I can get on board. (laughs) Hello. I'm Darren Jolly. (laughs) It's time to get this short bus started. So let's roll and on with the show. Hello, everyone. This is Brian, and you are tuning in to Short Bus Debate Club. Uh, This week, Darren and myself are going to talk about homelessness. For the Monday episode. Yes, it is Monday. My apologies. Um, so we're going to talk about homelessness. And, you know, for the most part, I think homelessness, you know, when when you talk about it, people think about, you know, somebody who's living on the street. And, and that is definitely part of it. But this day and age, there is a whole new... Um, Type of homelessness, and and we're going to touch on that. Um, you know, we're going to talk about maybe some of the things that have helped homelessness grow and and introduce these new um, types of homelessness, and uh, go from there. So we just thought we would bring a really joyous and happy topic to you guys on this Monday. Um, Nothing motivates better
1: than. The joy and the happiness of homelessness.
0: That's right. That is correct. Um, So I don't know. Like I noticed a couple of things. So my first trip to Salt Lake City for business was, I think, in like 2012, 2013. And not too far from the church, the temple.
1: The big-ass Mormon one downtown at Temple Square.
0: Correct. There's a huge park, and even in 2016, that park was full of homeless people, and they even had, like, porta-potties there for them, and and they really took care of them.
1: It It was kind of an encampment then, sort of,
0: like... Like, I would say even a legal encampment. Yeah, I I, I
1: didn't mean it with the the negative connotations.
0: Yeah, Yeah. Um, and, you know, cab drivers and and Uber drivers, a lot of them would complain about the homeless people, and it seemed like almost overnight these homeless people were dispersed because one time I was there and the park was full, and then the next time I was there there were no homeless people. Now, obviously – There were homeless people, but they just broke up the populations and sent them to other places. So, you know, now all of a sudden homeless people were around the University of Utah. Um, They were as far south as Provo. You know, they were just in different locations now. Um, Something similar happened in Denver because of the conventions. You know, the, the GOP came to Denver And there was the Democratic National Convention, and they broomed all of the the homeless people out east, like the GOP and the DNC didn't know we had homeless people in Denver. (laughs) Um, And ever since that has happened, we have these dispersed populations, and I think that that Well, it's done a few things. One, it's introduced homeless people to areas where there were no homeless people before, not very many. Um, But I think it's also made it to where um, there, well, one of the groups in Denver uses a, a term called continuum of care. And I think, I don't know exactly what that means, but I think that it has helped to where now these homeless people don't have access to the same services that they had access to before um, because now they're farther away from all of this stuff. Um, I I don't know. I just wanted to mention those two things to kind of kick this thing off. Um, Was there anything in particular... You wanted to discuss with regard to homelessness. Well, well,
1: we'll get into a lot of that that stuff as we go on. Certainly, uh, I, I think one of the things that when we were chatting about different different uh, areas of discussion, I think the maybe the most important one uh, for for me personally is is uh, uh, people that are uh, that have mental m- different varieties of mental illness, um, uh, and that maybe I. I When we talk about things like the welfare state, right? um, And and it's clear that um, with the rise of neoliberalism, existing spaces for for institutions that were tied to the welfare state kind of got a bad rap. And I think that there's something that's sort of like socially unhealthy about thinking that uh, the the welfare of your society, meaning the well-being of your society, uh, like... Is, is something that we should look at as, you know, everybody's lazy, you know, if you're, you know, like welfare, blah, 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 you know, negative. Uh, I, I I don't, I don't know. There, there are certain institutions that you need to have inside of a society to function, like education, you know, for, for one. But I don't want to get on that today. But I think that that one of the ones that really sort of gets uh, a bad rap and, and is invisibilized is, um, and it came up at the end of our, I think, of the Friday episode last week, uh, is um, mental health? Um, we we really take for granted that that there are people that are in society that are just incapable of negotiating the day by day trappings of earning a living and 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 living a you know a quote unquote normal life. Um, and I think that uh, the 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 point that you made about the disbursement. Um, There's no doubt like as 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 massive amounts of investments went into urban centers um, and uh, gigantic private uh, security uh, spaces sort of started to prop up places that were once public places like maybe that spot that was in uh, Salt Lake uh, were obliterated and people were sort of forced to move out. I, yeah, that, that, that stuff is definitely, definitely happening. Um, But uh, I just don't think that we can start to solve these questions unless we look at some of those spaces, like, you know, uh, institutions like mental health institutions or other social welfare institutions that maybe are essential to make sure that you have a good functioning society.
0: Well, I, I think they are definitely essential. And, you know, so way back when I think it was 90 94 I did a college paper on you know being homeless Um, and I I can't remember the numbers for sure but it was something that was you know just fucking astronomical Um, was somewhere like in the 70s 70% of homeless people have some sort of mental issue. And when I say that, I'm not just saying, you know, they were depressed. I'm talking about something really bad, like schizophrenia or or something along those lines to where, you know, you said they can't negotiate daily, daily life. and, And they really can't. I mean, a lot of them are hearing voices, you know, things like that. So, if if seventy-six percent or seventy-five or even seventy percent are having these mental health issues, um, there's there's something we've gotta do about that. And you can't just
1: brush it away. No,
0: and and it was sort of ironic that I was talking to my doctor about it, um, who happens to be your doctor too, but um he said, because he's been around for a while, um, but in the late 70s and early 80s, the federal government started cutting funding for places like mental health institutions, um, you know, sanitarium, sanatorium. Which one is it? Sanatorium if you can't breathe, right? That's where... Um Doc holiday died, was a sanatorium?
1: That was, that is correct. Yeah. Okay.
0: So <laughs> <laughs> um, Doc Holliday
1: <laughs> and mental health.
0: So um they started shutting down these places and cutting funding. So at the federal level, that money starts to trickle down to states. And so when they cut it, then the states no longer have these matching funds. So we lose that stuff on a state level as well. Um, So these places where these people used to be housed, you know, and had a location where they had someone giving them their, their medicine every day were, you know, basically being eliminated. So now these people were basically scattered to the streets because um, they no longer had a, a bed in a hospital, so to speak. And now you know if you don't have insurance, you don't have a bed in a hospital. And so basically that means if you're crazy and your parents are rich, then you can get health care and treatment. So that you don't end up being homeless because you're schizophrenic, but if you're poor and you don't have insurance, then I guess you end up being homeless.
1: There was a, a big. I mean, the the funding has gone south so far. There was a big. Uh, it, it was the it was the large institute in Pueblo that really uh, that held was it the state saying, yeah. And I mean, as far as I understand now, that that place, place pretty much. Doesn't exist. I mean, at least the number of people that they house is not. I mean, they they're not doing what they were doing, and the and the people that they were uh, they were dealing with. Uh, <laughs> I could tell you a couple of stories. I don't think I should, but uh, I I know of a couple of people that are down there, and they don't belong outside of there, and they're not there anymore because uh, because they changed the funding in relation to that, and men- mental health issues are. There was a kid that lived at my house for a year and a half. I'm not gonna give him any names, but uh, he lived at my house for a year and a half. I was trying to help this kid. Uh, he was uh, he was bipolar, uh, and if he didn't take his meds appropriately, he would slide into to fits of mania. And I don't know if you've been around anybody when they slide into fits of mania. I I had I had heard about these things in the abstract, but uh, when he moved into the house, I told him. I said, look, dude. If you're going to live in my house if you start to have problems if your meds are not working i really need you to communicate with me about it right so he had been there for about six or seven months um and he had started to do some really really peculiar things he'd like not come in he, It was clear that he wasn't feeling comfortable inside of the house he just had some odd habits um and when you try to communicate with them because you're living in a social environment with other people i mean you affect other people when you live in a social environment so what do you have to do you got to communicate right so, we try to communicate, and sometimes this individual would shut down in those moments. So, uh, he had this red minivan, and he would sit out in front of our house for hours and hours and hours and hours, and he would not come inside, and there was no communication that was happening. And I could see that things were starting to get bad. Um, like I said, there were a couple things that were communicated, and he just, you know, was not, he refused to talk at this point in time. So, uh, this uh, incident uh, occurred where somehow or another he ran out of gas up at king supers he had to come back home he came inside and he he said you told me that if i started to have problems that i needed to communicate to you clearly he was not communicating with me because uh, he was trying to honor an agreement we came into it was because he had essentially been backed into a corner and he didn't have any other choice this he's a, he wasn't going to be able to get his car if i didn't help him at that point so uh uh, he told me that he, he, he was trying to honor the agreement. So I said, all right, let's go get your car. I said, you follow me back home and, uh, we'll, we'll see if we can't figure it out. Well, we got his car. He did not follow me back home. He drove to another parking lot and, uh, he proceeded to sit in that parking lot for four days. Uh, did not eat, did not drink. Uh, he ended up calling me and leaving four voicemails on my phone and uh, on the fourth day, he ended up in the hospital. And when I went to the hospital, he asked me if I could come down and talk to them uh, to tell them that he did not need to be in the hospital. And I could hear at this point in time that his not only was his mind not in the right space, uh, it was in a space that I wasn't familiar with at that, at that point. I mean, i had interacted with him. I knew that he had had some problems, but I don't think that I realized to what extent uh, those problems were would would come about when they manifest. So uh, when I started to talk to him, uh, the lady who was the psychiatrist came in um, and uh, she started to touch. Ta- he, he, she said, so I, need, so I need to talk to you about what's been happening. What, you know, have you talked to him in the last few days? And he goes and he says, well, I'm going to stand over here. You, you don't need to pay attention to me. I won't listen to anything that you guys say. So, like, he's, he's, he's out of it, clearly. Um, but she asked me, she says, when you talk to him, uh, is he capable of, like, listening to you and having a response? I said, no. I said, I said he would say something to me, and I would say something back to him, and he would already be on to this next thing, and he would just start spinning and spinning and spinning. And she said, well, he told me that he had said to you that you asked him if he, he started to have, a, like, a problem like this to let you know, um, and he said, "It's. It's." She said, "It's clear that he he honored that, uh, but you can see that he she's, he's not quite in that space of mania, but he is very close to to a tipping point right now. And and if 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 he was going to get worse, like I'd never like I like I said, I'd seen him have some issues, but I'd never seen like I'd never had anybody that had like real like honest to goodness clear mental health issues so so close to me and so so in front of me." Um, and this kind of like opened my eyes up to like, like these problems, like part of the reason why I let him come to my house in the first place is because I knew that he had been on and off the street for quite a long time. I would known the kid when we went to high school, 15, 20 years before. So I was trying to create a space to so where he could come and be, you know, okay. Um, at the end of this cycle, after everything that went on, the most, uh, the, the clearest lesson that came from it for me was that while my intentions were good, when people have problems like these, they need to have someone who is a professional that is capable of interacting with them so that they can really get the care they need. You can't get it from somebody who's thoughtful and empathetic much as you want to. You need to have a professional. That's and he's gone. Now I haven't talked to him for quite a while. We had to kick him out of the house, but Damn, you know, I mean, that that was my reality check for uh, somebody who I knew who had been homeless on and off in, in his life and about the fact that there are real people out there, a lot more people out there that are worse, worse than that. Like you say, schizophrenic was what you led with. I mean, when you're sliding in and out of, you know, fantasy spaces, you know, I mean, how does a person I mean, you, you're really going to turn to them and tell them that it's their
0: fault that. Well, there's, there's all kinds of stuff. And, you know, we didn't even mention like psychopathy, right? You know, so there's a scale that will tell you how much of a psychopath you are, probably similar to the scale, you know, when we were talking about narcissists and in, in that episode. Um, so there are several key things, you know, to say whether or not you're a psychopath. Um, and because of this funding that we've cut off, a lot of these people, and I don't want to speculate as to the number, but that means that these people that normally would have been hospitalized, who are psychopaths, are now wandering around amongst us. And and worse than wandering around amongst us, they're in this... Free, I know, I don't want to call it free, but I mean they're in this area where it's it's difficult to monitor them. You know, they're not they're not working. Um, they're not spending money on credit cards or anything like that. So the ways that the government normally watches us to make sure we're doing all of the things we're supposed to be doing. They're not doing those things. Effectively outside right
1: the trappings of the
0: system. So now we've got these people who are psychopaths, and that ranges, you know, from a whole different scale of, of stuff from you know pulling the wings off of flies to killing people.
1: Well, I, I I, and I no, a, no yeah. I
0: I didn't. I, mm-hmm. But I'm just saying that's where the the scale goes. I mean, you're either on this end and you're kind of a psychopath, or you're on this end and you can be a full fledged.
1: The individual that lived at my house, I never felt threatened or threatened for my life, even when I told him it's over. You got to go. Like. So psychopathy is one thing, but other there are other categories of mental health issues that that are you know it's it's one thing to be concerned based on those spaces. It's another thing to just understand that this this these fuckers they can't I mean they just can't function and the other thing was, he, so he, if he earned over a certain amount, he he, had, he was smart enough to understand that when Obamacare came about, he could go to a psychiatrist and he could get medication and he could manage himself. Like he was intelligent enough to understand that and he tried to. But if he earned over a certain amount of money, he did, he lost his access to healthcare and healthcare was essential. And to his credit, he really tried. He really did try. But having said that, like you're, you're you're teaching a person who's trying to be productive, who isn't totally all there. Like in a perfect world, he might be at a place where he would ha- he'd be around other folks that are like him, but he'd have his own apartment and he'd be able to manage these things because he would have access to the things that he needs in terms of the healthcare and the you know the, the, the both in terms of the pharmaceuticals that they need and the direct healthcare that they need in terms of uh, uh, interacting with with professionals, right? But uh, nothing. So that, that's just another. That's well, and that's
0: account. why I said if you're rich, you know, yeah. you you can have this access to health care and, and be monitored and taken care of the way you need to. But if you're not, then you're kind of screwed. And that goes back to, you know, when we were talking about social welfare and like the SNAP and EBT and all of that <laughs> stuff, you know, a lot of those people – do want to work but they can't because if they work a certain number of hours or they make a certain amount of money they lose access to those benefits and that's why again you know if I had the money if if I was wealthy I think that I would really just build the place um, you know and I would train these people um, but here's something else is that a lot of people are saying oh well you know if you're homeless you're lazy whatever right well, the people that are panhandling are not lazy. That's essentially a job. They're too lazy to get a real job, but they're panhandling in order to make their whatever. You know, I'm sure that it, it varies mm-hmm. from place to place. But
1: it's a skill set.
0: It kind of is. And and those people are not the ones with mental health problems.
1: Hi, Annie. (laughs) Annie might actually be... No, I'm not going to say that. I love you.
0: Okay. Those people are not the ones with mental health problems. So they're the ones that, that may be lazy to some degree because they don't want to have a real job, but... Working at panhandling six hours a day is is work. Um, it's not back breaking work, but standing out in the hot ass sun for any yeah, I, I,
1: I wouldn't pick. I wouldn't pick
0: that. No. <laughs> so you know, I, I did. Yeah. <sighs> Okay, so I'm one of the guys that isn't going to give these people money anymore. Um, I think I've been taken advantage of too many times, so I'm kind of done. But a few years ago, well, it's actually been a lot of years now, but back in 2006 when I was running peoplespropaganda.com, I decided – that i was going to put the homeless to work so the ones standing on the corners uh with their sign that said you know need help or we'll work for food or whatever i paid a bunch of them to put bumper stickers that said peoplespropaganda.com on their little will work for food sign and that did way, you, did you really? Fucking a, dude. <laughs> and I did see, you know, an increase in in web traffic. Um, <laughs> and it was it was fairly inexpensive advertising, you know. What I'm you, sure. I mean,
1: what did you What did you pay?
0: Like five, ten bucks, whatever. I mean,
1: yeah, whatever. I'm just curious.
0: It was more than the the two dollars that so I. You're
1: giving them money yeah. to do that, and yes, that's that's as yeah, there's a.
0: And nice he day. still he still just had to stand there. Yeah,
1: you didn't alter the...
0: Right. And who knows? Maybe somebody said, hey, what's peoplespropaganda.com. I would have paid him more if I could have done some training, you know, <laughs> some vocational training on the corner here. Yeah, but so People's Propaganda is a website. Anyway, um, so I I did pay them. And some people said that I exploited the homeless. Some people said that I... Wasted my money, you know. Some people said that it was not a a bad investment for for what I got out of it. Everybody's um, got a fucking opinion.
1: They you made, they you do. made a choice and you did something right which more than most people do.
0: Um, and I actually felt pretty good about it because I wasn't just giving them money, um, regardless of what they were going to do with it. If they're going to go buy heroin or booze or food. Mm-hmm they worked for it for me. They, they didn't work a lot. It wasn't hard work, but they worked for it. Um, so I felt better about that than just giving them money. Cause these guys that are just, you know, asking for money, most of them, you know, are going to buy booze or heroin or whatever.
1: At my post office, there's this guy that owns a, uh, toy store. Brilliant. Uh, the fucking name was, I'll I'll come up with it later, just so I can give him a plug real quick. But uh, um, he uh, has people wear like Darth Vader suits or like uh, Chewie Chewbacca suits, and he's employed more than a couple homeless people to to do that. And that, because they're not gonna, uh, it's not a stable, and they're and they don't want something stable. But it, it, it it's it's not it's it's like what you did. You make an exchange. You provide that person an opportunity for the day, and they. They chose to do it, and, and he's he's you know they appreciate it, I and mean, that's I don't see anything fucking wrong with that. It's not
0: the ranky guys, is it? The what? Ranky brothers?
1: No. Uh-uh. Okay. okay. I'll, I'll come up with the fucking name.
0: Um. So just kind of, <laughs> I don't know. A lot of people won't think this is funny, but I thought it was fucking hilarious. So I'm I'm dealing with this one group of IT people in Utah. Um, they worked for a subsidiary of the university of Utah and we were at lunch and I was talking to him about where all the homeless people went. And, you know, we were talking and they said, well, they're still here because the church takes care of them. You know, they they treat everybody really nicely as, as far as the homeless people go. But then this one guy said, well, it's hard in Utah because there's so many hipsters To tell the difference between The homeless and the hipsters So he said he was in the middle Of developing an app Called Hipster or Homeless (laughs) And (laughs) You could play it as a game You know when you're sitting Downtown or whatever (laughs) And pictures Would go by and it was you know Do you think he's homeless Or do you think he's a hipster And you know, I, I don't know. I thought it was hysterical, well, and he should have gone through to development. But it's funny, but at the same time,
1: like a person that takes advantage of something like that is a cockbag, as far as I'm concerned. There was a guy that used to come to my post office down at Twentieth and Curtis, and that so that was after the the 2012 uh, sweeping away. And on the north side of the building, there the triangle was still there. We would have a fair amount of homeless people that, that were there and they were not there. There was it, was, it was sort of a come and go because no matter what the, the emergence of private spaces down there definitely created a difficulty for anybody to, and there the, you know, encampments Well, there would be encampments here and encampments there, there would be all these uh, efforts to, uh, to minimize them by people that had investment because, because that's the way that that shit fucking works. Um, but uh what the fuck was I? Oh, this fucking kid—he—he come in and he'd be selling shit online all the time, and then I fucking saw him panhandling. I'm you know, fucking, and I was like, I was like, I know, I know this kid is not fucking homeless. And that that shit does really, 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 really. Well, I've heard early. stories
0: about you know, there was a story. I don't know. Let's see. So, it was before Roger moved to Parker because Jason Hanna was still around. So. I don't know, I want to say, like, 2005, there was a story about some fucking dentist in Chicago, and he would just panhandle part-time, you know, like on weekends and stuff, and he was making an extra $60,000 a year, according to this newspaper article, you know, and why he did a newspaper article or how they found him, I don't know. Maybe they followed him and, and watched him jump into his Mercedes. <laughs> um, but, yeah, there are definitely people. I mean, because, again, it is work to some degree, um, but the dentist said he did it because it was tax-free mm-hmm. and you could make a lot of money doing it. Well, think about it. If he was just doing it part-time and he made an extra sixty grand a year, I told you that those – guys at the the grocery store over there by my old house they said they were making 300 bucks a day you know that's 1500 a week that's
1: yeah i get i get the money i get the math I and, and I and i still that that i still want to kick that fucking dentist in the knee and those guys that are over there doing it like i think it's like the Fisher King. You see the movie The Fisher King. I fucking I love that fucking movie, dude. But there's the guy, the Vietnam vet. You know, like he's honestly, you know. And then, you know, uh, Jeff uh, Bridges. He makes this comment about it because uh, uh, somebody throws money, but it doesn't go in the cup. And uh, he's like, he's like, what a dick, you know. He doesn't even. And the guy says he doesn't have to look at me. He's not. He's not paying or he's pay, He's a paying customer. You know, like when I see somebody like that, that's doing something like that because they are in a real situation, when it's a Vietnam vet, when it's a person that has mental uh, deficiencies. Uh, you know, and of course, like I, I do believe in, and I, I am not, because I'm a Marxist, I do not believe John Locke. I do not believe social contract theory, but I still believe in concepts like social contracts, where we have these sort of spaces where we're here in it and we have, We're in it together. You know, I would like to think that a person's not trying to dupe me when they're fucking asking for something and I want to help them. But if a person's trying to dupe me, I want to kick them in their fucking knee and break their fucking knee. Then they can spend $60,000 getting their knee fixed for the fucking next two years.
0: Well, I mean, some of them maybe are trying to dupe you. There is the one guy I haven't seen him around in a while, but you know, he had the sign that said, why lie? I need a beer. Mm -hmm. Um, So I mean, he's telling the truth, just straight up. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, what if the sign just says "Need a little help"? You know, I mean, where where does the dupe begin? You know, if I've got if I bring a stroller and I've got a stroller there, and I've got a sign and say, you know, please help my kids or please help me and my kids, I'm definitely duping Mm -hmm. everybody. Um, but I mean, fuck, I, I definitely could use a little help right now. Yeah.
1: All right. So, and right on, on the corner of Wadsworth and Alameda, I'm sorry, no, I'm not supposed to do that, but, uh, there, <laughs> there's a family, right. And I've actually seen, uh, them at this other intersection in that general vicinity as well, where they put one on each corner. And they say they have a picture of a kid that has no hair. And this person needs a, this is my baby. They're two years old and they have cancer and they need a, a surgery. Right. So like I seen them at this intersection and this other intersection all day long for, you know, for like three or four months straight. Right. So like if I could talk to them and like have a conversation with them and like believe that what they're saying was true, I might give them fucking fifty bucks or something like that, right? But I like I, you get to the point where like, because they're in nice clothes, you know, they're not, they're taking a shower every day before they come down there and do that. You know, there's a difference between, and like I I hate looking at that and like, you know, because I want to be able to feel things and be able to choose to. I mean, I'm not gonna, Why the fuck would I say stuff about mentally ill people being fucking homeless unless I fucking cared about shit. right? But right. having said that. I feel
0: duped. No, I a told lie. you, I yeah. don't. I mean, I don't give them money anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, I I tried to give. There was a one guy at a Seven Eleven. It's late at night. He's got a sign that says "We'll work for food." You know, so I'm on my way somewhere. I don't have a lot of time, but I go back in. I I buy a couple of hot dogs, some chips, you know, some drinks. And I give him, you know, a couple of bags. Now, granted, it's gas station food. But I give him two bags worth of gas station food. And he's like, what's that? And I was like, well, you, you know, you exactly. said you're hungry. Yeah. Here you go. And he said, I don't fucking want that. I want money. Well, fuck you. <laughs> so I threw it all away and and left. Um, and it's happened a couple of other times where I gave somebody money and then later you know, saw them at the liquor store or, or whatever. And I know that the minute that I give them the money, it's no longer mine. But, you know, I thought I was feeding you or, you know, helping. I mean, I've done that before too. We knew a kid and I gave him shoes and clothes and everything else because he said he needed to go and interview for a job, or, oh, yeah, and that never happened. No. You know, so um, you
1: you remember Will at at, at uh, Musicland that I worked with at Musicland when you worked at Musicland, Sam Goody, whatever. He goes, to, he goes to, the same thing. He goes inside of a McDonald's down on Sixteenth Street Mall, and this guy's got a sign saying, you know, hungry. So he goes and buys two two burgers for a guy and brings it out and the fucking guy takes the burgers and throws them on the ground and stomps on them in front of in front of him. So like the the point that one of the points we we're talking about earlier, like if you have a welfare system structure where you give people disincentives and I am not going to be a person that's focused on productivity because I am a fucking Marxist but still I do think that if you want to solve the problems of the world I work at the fucking post office I work my fucking ass off anybody that wants to doubt that they can come fucking see me I work at fucking Bear Valley 755 West Amherst I work my fucking ass off okay oh the gnarly toy box that was the name of the, 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 the store Brandon is the owner he's fucking awesome he's fucking hilarious dude but uh if you create a disincentive for people if you say if you make over a certain amount of money we're going to take away your ability to have health care and that person's mentally incapable incapable of function and then they you know that you're if you're saying we're going to give you some help but if you make over this amount of money we're going to take away your food stamps this is you need to create incentive spaces and if you put a time on i don't i don't know like if you can measure the way that that a person's making progress. I don't know. But one way or another, you need social welfare, but you need to not construct a social welfare system where you give people disincentives to be productive because what ends up turning out of that is people who fucking stand on the fucking corner that ask for fucking money and use that money to get fucking fentanyl or something like
0: that. Well, and you know, I, I said at the beginning, we were going to talk about this new type of homelessness, mm-hmm. you know, and and I've read articles about it. You know, I've actually seen it. Um, there are, well, you know, now that I got booted, I'm technically homeless. I've got a, a roof over my head. But according to the government, I'm homeless. Um, but there are all these people that are also living in their cars in parking lots. And they have jobs where they're going to work every day. and. They're homeless. So, you know, Denver, I don't know. I need, I should have looked for the article. But my mom told me that Denver is now number five in the most expensive places to live in the United States. It's
1: expensive in Denver now.
0: So, you know, I mean, obviously San Francisco is more expensive. I mean, you can't find a place to buy in San Francisco for less than and that might even be it might be higher than that but anyway um, you know you go to work and the only thing you can really afford is to live in your car Um, that's that's a whole new type of homelessness that I don't think ever existed before the last 20 years or so
1: there's a movie that came out in 2020 called nomadland it had Frances mcdermott in it, it's a fucking great actress she won a an academy award for it i believe but uh for people that watch you know you know fancy movie and it was a it was a low budget film you know so it didn't get a lot of notoriety but it did it did win that award but it was about that but there's no doubt that like you make the fucking movie about it, and you got some fucking Hollywood people that are all shaking hands about how they fucking raised consciousness about it. But that yeah. doesn't change the fact that there are still people that are essentially. There, there's a guy who. Um, so like the the high school's right over by where my post office and uh, there's a like a green sort of a green belt that's across the street from right there, and there's a guy who's been hanging out there a bunch lately, and uh, he's got fucking a car. And then he's got, like, a, a car of shit strapped to the top of his car. And then a trailer that I'm sure is not fucking, you know, road legal back behind him. And he goes down and he uses the water. I mean, he's not going to be doing it over the course of the next couple months His shit's going to get cold. But he uses the water to wash his fucking clothes. I mean...
0: This oh, he's is, doing laundry and shit. Though. Yeah,
1: that, and that dude, that's... I mean, in the area where I work at... That was not, but I'm starting, and there are people that are, I'm seeing tents popping up in, in, you know, in those in those belt beltway areas. And I'm not saying this because I want cops to go fucking deal with it. I'm saying these things because these are things that we have to fucking deal with socially. We have to find solutions for these things. If you keep fucking pumping up the fucking cost of housing to where uh, people cannot survive, this is...
0: Well, and, you know, other problems are going to pop up, too. I mean, you know, back in... I want to say it was 2002, um, but it might have been earlier than that. In Colorado Springs and El Paso County, they had problems because there were so many homeless people living along the river and, you know, they were shitting in the river that it polluted all of the fucking water. And now all of a sudden, you know, you had to boil your water and do all of this shit and people were getting sick. And yeah. And so other problems are going to occur if we don't try to get a handle on this. And you know, the city and County of Denver, they're so proud of themselves for dispersing all of the homeless well, basically all they did was make the problem bigger because now, you know, you can't get a hold of these people and and help them. Um, now, uh, municipalities and, and county organizations that didn't have the problem before, so nothing was in place for those, um... You know, so now they they don't know what to do with any of these people. So, you know, like you said, tents are popping up places where they never were before. Um, they're utilizing resources that, that aren't necessarily even there, whether you're talking about well, and if they're if they're drinking water out of fucking Bear Valley, there's a chance that they're gonna get sick and fucking die. I
1: don't, I don't know if they're drinking it, but they're definitely using it for cleaning, shoot, for sure, and probably for some of the stuff you were talking about. You know,
0: you know, and that that ends up being a problem for yeah. everybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, you know, don't don't do like I do and, and automatically assume these people are, you know, just lazy and, and panhandling because they don't want to get a job. They could be just straight fucked up in the head. Um, and, and may actually need some help. And a lot of them probably do. So I know we're coming up on 45 minutes. Um, there were some things that I thought about talking about and, and we didn't really get it covered, but I think we'll probably circle back to this at some point because, you know, social welfare and homelessness isn't something that we can do within an hour and a half. And between the two episodes, that's where we are. So, <laughs> so
1: yeah, I got, I got nothing. On. I mean, I, I, there's a million things that we, yeah, we, we barely, we, we, we scratched this. We scratched. There's one, one of just closing. And this is, I, I found this, on the World Socialist website, um, Gerald the III was arrested. This was back in March. He was targeting fucking homeless people in Washington, D.C. And uh, it looks like in New York City as well, Manhattan. Uh, he shot a fucking guy in his fucking tent and lit it on fire. Like, targeting people and killing them uh, for being homeless... You know that dude's got fucking mental problems that he needs to get checked out. But if anybody's going to that fucking extreme, uh, you need to check yourself a little bit. And I, look, I'm not a I'm not a I'm not a liberal, you know, I like I said, I'm a Marxist, so like there's a difference between those two things. but I do I, I care for people, but fucking light that goddamn tent on fire after you shoot somebody,, whew, I hope that guy gets punished severely.
0: I'm sure he will. Since they caught him, but remember, I mean, homeless—they—they they are always a target on some level. Don't you remember when they were beheading all of those homeless yeah, people I here didn't in even Denver? Think about
1: that until just that. Yeah, but and those were kids that did that. If I remember correct, well, they didn't
0: actually catch anybody. Uh-huh. It's still an open oh, really? case because okay. I. <laughs> When I was doing research for my book, I was calling the Denver police. I'm like, look, I can't find the entrance to those tunnels. Where are those tunnels? Remember they, you know, put all those heads in there and they put me on hold. And then another cop came on and he's like, um, that's still an open case. What's your name again? And I was like, uh, Brian Courtney. And he goes, um, we can't tell you where those tunnels are. Uh, so anyway, no, they it's didn't still catch a, anybody. Still yeah.
1: an open case. Yeah, I totally, until I just said that, I totally forgot that that even happened.
0: Yeah. So home, they target homeless people a lot, um, which, I mean, I don't know. There was that one shitty movie where they, uh, it was Jean-Claude Van Damme. And they hunted people. If you say, if you say
1: there was this movie with John Cluck <laughs> in there, you don't really need to say that it was a shitty movie. It's sort of redundant at that.
0: Yeah, it's implied. <laughs> yeah. All right.
1: Um, <laughs> what did <are> they <laughs>
0: they hunted people? I don't.
1: I didn't ever see it. I yeah. Mean,
0: so they were they were getting so. uh, they were taking homeless people off the street, and they would pay them. They would say, okay, if you make it through the weekend or whatever, then you get money but it was all of these rich people who wanted the the most
1: dangerous game, but for homeless experience
0: of, you know, yeah.
1: I think that we should do that with rich people.
0: Hunting rich people. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I'd like to do that with Jeff Bezos. Now, having said that, I don't have any connection with him. I don't know where he's at. So if he disappears, I'm, I'm always where I'm supposed to be. But having said that, eat the rich man. Come on.
0: Eat the rich. All right, well we gotta go. It's it's forty seven <laughs> minutes. We could talk a lot of shit from here on out, but um, and Darren doesn't have anything against Amazon or, or Bezos, so or even rich people for that matter. No, but it would be fun to hunt them. All right, um, sure. us debate three on three yeah. Four, roll. I don't think you got that, but that's. into to all three, three, four. Roll, <laughs> roll. And yeah, TikTok short bus debate. Or no, that's uh, Twitter. And then short bus debate club on TikTok. Uh, talk to you later. The We're talking about monsters things
1: on the short bus that make contact with the road. Right. With the road.